Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. That's a little bit of a different. We've been expositing the, the gospel of Mark. We'll get back to Mark here just shortly, but I want to start out in 1 Peter chapter 4 in light of understanding what it means to serve in Christ. It is our topic this morning as we will follow that up with the ministry fair, just trying to expose the church to you. Um, God has been gracious to send sheep this way and Many of you are trying to figure out how exactly to get plugged in. And, and so this service today is, is, is kind of out of the ordinary. It's uh, something that um, your elders felt like we needed to do, a desire to, to help you understand in a, in, a comp- in a simple way, I guess, in a simple way, um, how to present these ministries in, in one service so as to engage your heart when it comes to your serving. So let us begin with prayer, and then we'll dive into this. Father, we do, uh, we do thank you for the morning. Thank you for the joy it is to come, to be blessed, to be encouraged, to have hope and have peace. And Father, we come with a desire to understand. Spirit, you do that. You have our way with our hearts. You're able to take your truth. You're able to submit it in our souls that causes us to act. Father, my prayer is that we would understand what it means to serve Christ. Not out of of duty, but out of delight, out of a want to a get-to, a desire-to, a, a, a desire to, to honor you. So, Father, help your preacher. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Like I said, this is something different, a little bit more unique. As is common from this pulpit, we exposit verse by verse. We've been, like I say, going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we started in July. We're still in chapter 1, so come back. You missed some, but there will be more. But this morning, I, I really want to be looking at and exposing, for the most part, First Peter 4, the whole idea of what does it mean to be a servant, We'll follow that up, of course, with a model. We'll get back to Mark chapter 10 and look at what Christ's interaction with his disciples and, and how he models service before them. And it's a, a pretty humbling narrative. But this morning, I want us to look at the, the subject of serving in Christ. Or better yet, how do we serve the body of Christ? Knowing that Christ is the head of the church, How are we as his called out ones to to serve one another for his glory and for his kingdom? 
I do want to say this. If you're new here, perk up because I want to first give you an exhortation to serve for the glory of Christ. I think that's, that's commonplace. If you've been around Christianity, you know that God has called you to be engaged in the game for the kingdom's sake. And even if you are new, or even if you've been here for a while, the Lord is able to impress upon your soul as you seek ministry that, that desires to use your gifts for his glory. So it's a needed subject for all of us, a great reminder and a great exhortation from the text that, that calls us to, to keep our minds focused on Christ. Why? Because the body needs you. Now, I think it's important to understand that when we think about serving Christ, it all starts that you've got to be in the kingdom. You've got to be redeemed. When you are saved, when you have received Christ's grace and forgiveness through your repentance and through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were saved and put into the body or church with Christ as the head. This is his institution. He gathers his, his redeemed to the church. And this is where it all starts. Our great redeemer Christ calls you out of darkness and puts you into his body, the family of God. I think of the passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, in that great discourse on the supremacy and supremacy of Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, he rescued, Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. There's a transaction that happens. Not only are you receiving grace and mercy, but you're placed within the body. And it is Christ's desire for you to give him all the glory by how you live out this new creature in Christ, this new life in Christ. And so it's simply, it's, it, it's easy to say this. You have been saved not only to receive all the blessings that you are in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, but you've also been saved, and God has you here, but you have been saved this morning to be a part of his church and for the purposes of the church. That is so imperative, especially in a day and age where consumerism is the idea that we go and we, we get from the church. And that's all we want. Give me what I want, and then I'll go home and be satisfied. But as you read the scriptures, you know that's not what God's called you to do. He's called you to be engaged into his body, this living organism that, that, that has called you to use the gifts for his kingdom and for his glory. And so I just want to give you a simple exhortation. He's given me a lot of time, but we're going to close early, just FYI, so that we can get to the tables, so you can interact with people. But I've given you just a short outline. Let me just say this. I think you will have more time at the end. <laughs> oh, the Lord, he humbles me. Sometimes he tells me to shut up, so that's okay. But your outline is a two-point outline from two different texts. And it points to our understanding of our command to serve, and then 
we go to First Peter to see this. And then second, I want you to see this model that exemplified in Christ our Lord. But let's first go to this, this command to serve. We go to First Peter chapter 4. You should be there. I just want to read a couple verses to you. Starting in verse 10, it reads this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I mean, this is a distinct text. It's kind of interesting because it falls in. If you know anything about the book of 1 Peter, it's all about suffering. How to live for Christ in the midst of, of turmoil. And Peter, he, he's giving the believers an understanding of what it means to walk in a hostile world. He's, he's helping us to understand those things. We ripped this out of context, but it's one of those things we dive in. We understand that this is normal day living for the church. This is something that we are called to do. And so Peter's writing to help us understand that, that the church is to be functioning even though suffering is at its doors or in its doors. That this is the plan of God, that we continue to, to march with Christ as our focus. Knowing that it's not if we're going to suffer, it's but when we will suffer. In light of that, however, the obligation, desire, and devotion is to continue to walk in the Spirit and glorify Christ. And so we land here in chapter 4. Peter is instructing the church, the people of God, to be engaged in a worthy walk that they have in Christ Jesus. Doesn't spend a lot of time on it. He reminds them of, of, of certain instructions that commands them to keep on and compels them to keep on walking in Christ Jesus. And he says, whoever speaks, or excuse me, in verse 10, as each one has received a special gift. The subject of spiritual gifts. You and I both know that is kind of can be a, a contentious subject. It is something that, that it, we need to wrap our minds around. However, I'm not going to go into all those nuances. I, my, my, par, my point here this morning is just to try to exhort you to understand, find your spiritual gifts and do your spiritual gifts. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And by the way, if you have more questions that we don't get to, by all means, you can set up an appointment with Nate and he'd be happy to take all of them. <laughs> Call the office. We'd be happy to go out to lunch and talk about these things. We love the truth. We love the, the fact of what God is doing with it, and, and we want to subject ourselves to you for that. But here's an exhortation. And Peter says, as each one has received. Of course, he's speaking to the believers. Each received a special gift. And he says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold of grace of God. P 
Peter says, in essence, that you got to be employing your spiritual gifts for the sake of the grace that you have received. This word serving here in the Greek simply means to wait on people. It's a waiter's term. It's had the idea of, of having others in mind. It's from the English word deacon, or where we get the English word deacon. A deacon is a servant to the church. In this case, Peter is speaking to the whole church. Those who are saved and transformed by the grace of Christ, and they are called to serve. Notice he doesn't put the quantity, how much you have to serve, but he gives the imperative that you must serve. And that is to each one, desiring to understand exactly how that goes about. Now, the question is, how are we to do that, right? Notice verse 10 says, to the church, each one has received a special gift. And so we are to use that special gift as a, or spiritual gift. I think you can insert that there. For the sake of serving each other in Christ, in his church, each Christian, beloved, has a spiritual gift. When you were saved, like I said earlier, you received it. From who? 1 Corinthians 12 says the Holy Spirit. Which tells me this. You can't choose your gifts. Your gifts are given to you, and each one of you then plays a part for the sake of the body of the church to grow in Christ and to serve him. I think it's helpful to kind of get back to, let's turn back to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to another passage here, but I want you to see some things. I stated the Holy Spirit. Let me show you exactly how this unfolds for us. Kind of bouncing around a little bit here, a little bit out of natural exposition that, that I normally do, but I want you to see, you've got chapters 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a corrective letter. Paul wants the church to function right, and he gives correction often in the midst of all this. I just want you to look at a few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And so he's going to give some inspired inspiration of what, what, what's going on here, how to use these spiritual gifts. He says a few comments in verses 2 and 3 about if you're in Christ Jesus, you will profess him as Lord and Savior. And then verse 4, let's pick it up there. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He's drawn us to the point that we only have one Lord. We only have one, one Savior. There's really only one body called the church with Christ as the head of it. And in light of that, even though there are diversity in the gifts that the Spirit gives, you're each to use them for the common good, which means for the common good of others. And then... He says in verse 7, but to each one is given this manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Verse 11. And this is key. But one and the same Spirit, speaking about the Holy Spirit, works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. That is so important. What was the problem? The problem there at Corinth was the fact that they were, they were desiring to, to have some, maybe some showier gifts, the upfront gifts. They were wanting some things. And, and Paul wants us to make sure that we understand the significance of how this is all played out. And the spirit he, he, he gives as he wills, which is so important to understand. The Holy Spirit distributes them according to his will. It's not that we, we go spiritual gift shopping and desiring to pick what we think what we want. The Spirit distributes them. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, you think about this. God uniquely designs you. He redeems you, he saves you, and he, and he uniquely gifts you with the power of the Holy Spirit, these spiritual gifts, for the sake of others. It might be best to see this through an illustration. I was thinking about this. Never been a painter, but I've seen some Bob Ross sessions. I mean, he goes to the canvas. He's got a, a palette of colors, and what he makes is utterly phenomenal. He mixes colors. He does his thing. He's got a hair that I think that every man would love to have. I mean, it's one of those things where he is designing a masterpiece, in a spiritual way, I think it's even better to look at it this way. The Holy Spirit, he takes the gifts and makes you, you. He makes his masterpiece so as to greatly influence you for the sake of others within the church. The Holy Spirit, he takes his palette of spiritual gifts. By the way, we know that there's some lists in the scriptures. We think of not only this passage here in Corinthians, but, but Peter will speak about some of these. Romans 12 will speak about some of these things. Ephesians 4 speaks about some of these gifts. And they're not all the same lists, which tells me something. Spiritual gifts are not all exclusive. Uh, it's one of those things where he has his way of taking what he wants to design within the life of the believer what is best for Christ and his church. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing it for your good and for the good of others. And so he's making you uniquely when you're redeemed, you have those. Just as you receive through salvation and, and belief the, the Holy Spirit, he now does his work within your soul and he gives it to you. I think it's important to understand you didn't earn it. You didn't pray for it. You didn't plead for it. You didn't generate it. You received it by the grace of Christ through the Holy Spirit. It is supernaturally given to the individual for the sake of Christ and his glory and his church. Now, there's much more to be said. And we could take months looking at all of that. I simply want to just implant in your soul that, that, that the Spirit does a good job 
of gifting you for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And that's where body life comes to life. Body life comes alive when each one of us takes the spiritual gifts that Christ has, or the Holy Spirit has given us, and, and, and distributes it for the sake of others. And if you think about that, that's why it's so vital that church meets, that the church doors are open. No matter what pandemic, no matter what plague, no matter what, the church is open. Why? Because we are a living organism for the sake of each other and for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom and for his glory. Each one of us is, needs to be engaged in using our spiritual gifts for Christ's church and not to do so, can I say it so clearly, is disobedience. And you and I both know what disobedience means. It means it's sin. You were saved not to sit in a pew. You were saved to be engaged in the body of Christ for his kingdom and for his glory. Now turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10, Peter says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Service we saw as being a servant, somebody who waits tables. And then he uses another term here. He describes it as being good stewards. He's saying being purposeful and how you use it. Your spiritual giftedness is not for yourself. It is for Christ's glory in the body of Christ. And when we think about a steward in the Old Testament days, a steward in those days was that when a landowner would leave to go do business across the way, he would leave a steward in charge of his, his doings. He would take care of the land, pay, pay the slaves, make sure all the books, every, all the foods on the table. He would do all of that to take care of what the owner has entrusted him with. And I think you can see why Peter uses this word. He's inspired to do it. He uses this word that says, listen, your spiritual gift, you need to be a good steward. God has entrusted you with something that only the redeemed have and use it for his glory. And oh, may God find us faithful when he comes and gets his church. May he see us engaged and being a good steward as the manager of the gifts that have been imparted upon us. You know, you read a, a verse like that, and you immediately ask yourself, am I a good steward? There is lots of things vying for your time. I'm not saying that you give up everything just so that you can be a slave into the church, though you should be a slave in Christ, right? But what I am asking, are your priorities set in the midst of redemption that Christ's church and his glory and his people are first and foremost on my soul? That's what he's getting at. Am I faithful within it? Oh, and I get it. As I get older, we get a little bit slower, but it doesn't stop the engagement of the redeemed for Christ's glory. It might slow down in what you do, 
but you do what you do. Does that make sense? You are to be engaged. I love it when I, I see people praying. I love it when I see people cleaning. I love it when, when people are, are doing things, using their gifts for the sake of others. I think another question in the midst of all this is, how do I know? I was a part of a church way back in my early Christian life, and they literally gave out a, a questionnaire. And you had to sit down there. Now, depending on what you had for breakfast, helped you answer those questions the way you wanted it to. And you would sit there and you would mark what you think you have and, and then it would go through a machine and it would kick it out and it would say, you have the gift of this and you have the gift of that. Have, have any of you guys seen those things? Some of you have. I see some head nod. Listen, the only way that you're going to understand your spiritual giftedness is by doing. And be engaged. As you start doing something, the Spirit is going to draw out that this is what you are gifted with. He's going to affirm that. And by the way, others are going to affirm that as well. And so start doing. And he'll lead you in the right area, using your gifts for, for truth. I think too often we, we try to overanalyze it and we kind of spit out something and doing something that maybe God has not called us to do or equipped us to do. But understand this. Your spiritual gift is to edify, is to lift up, it is to build up. There, when you find great delight in serving others, when you find great delight in helping others grow in Christ, there, I think, is, is the true test of your spiritual giftedness. He goes on in verse 11 and speaks about some of these gifts. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. He gives two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. And they're both to do it with the intentions, with a purpose clause at the end of verse 11, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. The end result is not for prestige, it's not for power, but for the glory of Christ. You serve to give Christ glory and you do it with a smile. It gets back to a heart intention, yes it does. Too often we see service within the church or using our spiritual gift within the church as a duty instead of a delight. Listen, I don't know about you, but every morning I wake up, I rejoice in the fact that the Savior has saved me. And, and I wake up with the intentions to give him glory. And I navigate my day with that desire to give him glory in all things, knowing that what is eternal is going to last. And of course, the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ will last for eternity. And so I'm engaged and purposeful in, in, in using those gifts for his sake. And I do that out of a desire of delight. And I say that's not always perfect, right? We wake up and we say, oh, Lord, I got this, 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 and this. Or we just go through the motions. You come on Wednesday night to serve kids and you go through the motions. 
Listen. Not only have you been saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ, but understand that your giftedness is to give him glory and that people, when people see that you delight in serving them, it makes them question why. Why? Because we live in a selfish world. We live in such a selfish world that everything's about me and what I can gain and what I can get. But Christ in Christianity and the service of gifts says you serve others. You be selfless. You be unselfish. And you put others' concerns above your own for the sake of Christ. Why? Because your Lord has done it. And you desire to be engaged in it. Do we use our gifts for the glory of God? It's not that just because there's a, another task to be done. Lives are changed. I think even on a Sunday morning when I get here and I'm called to do this, but you know, understand, you understand what all what's going on behind the scenes? There's somebody back there pushing buttons. There's somebody making sure that the lights are on, that we are able to receive God's word. All those things are happening. Why? So that God may be glorified in all things. I think it makes it simple. Think of Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. When we have that mindset and the fact of what we're called to do with our spiritual gifts, it makes it more delightful than all, all else. So spiritual gifts are given for a purpose so that Christ can use you for his kingdom and for his glory. To be used in such a way that we interact with one another. Where we live transformed lives and give him glory. Where we pursue holiness. And where we love one another in the body. You understand the church has what the world wants. They want love. They want peace and hope. However, the world does not want Jesus. That's okay. We're going to give him Jesus first. And we're going to tell them what he's called us to do and engage in the spiritual gifts that he calls us to do. And they're going to ask the questions, why? Reminds me of a story as a young, young man. I was 19 years of age. I was young back then. 19 years of age. I was on the streets in, up in uh, Washington, and we were heading to the park there, and our desire was to hand out some meals, share Christ, love on people. came across a young man, and he started coming to our church, and he was a part of a, of a pseudo-gang. He wanted love and acceptance. And he, I remember him clearly looking at me and saying, man, you are, you are strange. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, you love me because you're, you're a fruitcake. I said, yes. I love because Christ loved me. And the love that you're receiving is because Christ saved me. And the, crust, the love that you desire is only found in Christ. 
that term of endearment. He called me bear the fruitcake all the time, which I'm okay with that because I understood the context. He knew that I loved him. And he received Christ in a way that, <clears throat> trusting that he's still walking with the Lord, lost contact with him. But may Christ continue to abound in his soul, knowing that he found real love. Because somebody desired to be used by the Lord to give him glory, to give God glory. There's a greater model. Turn back with me to Mark chapter 10. Can't wait till we get to this chapter five years later, right? But Mark chapter 10 is, is pretty much the thematic chapter of this whole gospel. And we see why. <clears throat> we get this narrative, this interaction with, this, uh, with Jesus and his disciples. Verse 32, it says this. Pick it up there, Matt, or Mark chapter 10. The narrative says this, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking on ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what is going to happen. It happened to him saying, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge on him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. You think about this narrative, you, you can see why they were fearful. Jesus is telling them, we're going to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, we are going at a fast pace. We're heading to the cross. If you had this discussion with Christ and you knew that death was at the doorstep, I think that you would be fearful too, thinking, what are we doing running straight towards this, this death trap, right? You would think that there would be some questions about what is going to happen. But what's interesting to me is that isn't this, this discussion that, that ensues, right? Verse 35, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they came up to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I mean, it's like your kids saying, just say yes to this before they ask you the questions, right? And so here they are, they want Jesus to do something for them. Verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, verse 37, grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. I mean, you talk about pride, selfishness. They're engaged knowing that, okay, yes, you can go to the cross, you can die, but we know theologically that the kingdom of God's at hand and your glory's at stake, so we want prominence. We want power. We want to be remembered in, in, in your kingdom. Look what Jesus responds. He says, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be baptized with the baptism of which I am baptized? 
speaking about the wrath, the wrath of God that's going to come upon himself. Do you understand what you're asking? Jesus knows that they don't understand. Verse 39, the pride runs to the forefront. They said to him, we are able, we're able to do this. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. Speaking about the wrath. And you shall be baptized, or and that whole idea of baptized there is being immersed. You shall be immersed with the baptism which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Then we picked up the other disciples, right? Verse 4, on hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John, rightly so. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Jesus goes to the heart. He understands what they're asking. They want lordship. They want power. They want prestige. And he points out that's what the Gentiles do. And then he compares it in verse 43. He says, but it's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. Radical concept, right? A leader leads. A leader makes other people fall at their, you know, that's what the Gentiles see. That's what we see in our, in our governments today. Submission of the people to the leadership of the people. That's not the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' point here. He's driving them to an understanding of service. And then he brings verse 45. and says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A servant for the sake of others. Modeled by Jesus often. I mean, we think about other aspects of Jesus in the, in the gospel narratives. They, yeah, I mean, he's washing their feet. He's doing the tasks of the lowly servant for the sake of other people. That's what it means to be a model servant, is doing the tasks for the sake of others for God's delight. And of course, you and I both know Jesus went to the cross for the sake of the glory of, of Christ, or for the glory of God, for the redemption of of mankind. I mean, what a model. We don't go around beating our chest and say, look at my spiritual gift. We go about desiring to be engaged in service for the sake of the king and the kingdom. I think to some degree, the universal church has forgotten that. We have ministries here for the sake of the glory of the king. They're there for you to understand, for you to look at, for you to be engaged in. They are there for you to serve. And by the way, we're also mindful of the fact that there are probably some ministries that are not even listed that need to be started for the sake of the king and for his glory. And so our desire is for you not to be a round peg to fit in a square hole, our desire is for you to use your spiritual gifts for the king. 
And your elders are all about helping you achieve that. Matter of fact, your elders will push you towards that. To use your gifts for Christ's glory. Especially in the light of the model that he set before us. A suffering servant for the sake of the ransom of many. I mean, what a joy to serve Christ. So I hope you take it that way. This is an exhortation to, to rejoice in the goodness and the kindness of God in which he has bought you with. To be a, an active part of the body. I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you're away from the body of Christ, how much you miss the body of Christ. Do you feel that way? I'm always asking our live streaming guys, hey, move the camera around. I want to see people. When I'm way out of the pulpit, I want to see what's going on here. Why? Because this place has my heart. This is my church. This is our church. This is Christ's church for his glory and for his kingdom. And I want to know what I'm missing because of the people, because of Christ, because of his kingdom. Amen. Father, we, uh, we do thank you for the short excursion to look what it means to serve in Christ Jesus. The text is very clear. You have called us to employ, according to Peter, these special gifts for the sake of others, for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. And so it's a, a very simple application. No matter how new we are, a part of this body, or how long that we have been with this body, we are called to employ the gifts. Father, we love you. May you make your church continue to, to grow in your likeness. May we serve with delight and with diligence as a faithful steward of the manifold grace of God. May we take that favor, unmerited favor, and apply it in such a way that, that builds each other up for the kingdom's sake, for Christ's sake. And so we love you. And we pray as the Holy Spirit is taking his truth and sifting our hearts, Father, that, that we would go and engage, that we would go and and find places to serve. That we would start somewhere, trusting that the, the Spirit's going to confirm those gifts, not only within the person, but with those around them. All for the glory of God. And so we love you, and we praise you. And we give you all the glory. And we pray these in Christ's name. Amen. Why don't you stand and we'll, uh, we'll close in, in song. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible, or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.